We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to the Hoosier Huddle Podcast. I'm your host, Sammy Jacobs. TJ Inns will be along with us shortly. Unfortunately, we do not have a game uh, to preview this week uh, due to Hurricane Irma. FIU had to cancel uh, the game in Bloomington on Saturday. So if you're holding tickets to that, they can be exchanged uh, for the rescheduled game. Uh, IU is bringing in Charleston CS on October 7th. Uh, so there are instructions through IU how to do that. I will put them out on Twitter as soon as I can. Uh, unfortunate situation. We hope everybody is all right down in South Florida and a, a speedy recovery there. But Indiana is coming off a win against Virginia. Uh, we'll take a look at that. We'll take a look at Charleston Southern and also the Big Ten schedules from 20 and 20, 2020 and 2021 are out. So we'll give a a quick breakdown on that. TJ, uh, unfortunately, we don't have a game this weekend, uh, but uh, we do have do have 12 games on the schedule. And I think we're pretty happy about that. Yeah, I think, um, you know, first off, I definitely echo um, echo the thoughts. You shared our, our, you know, thoughts and prayers with the uh, people in Florida. and um, Just a very difficult situation. Uh, that Florida International was put in and Indiana was put in as well. Obviously, football is not even secondary. It's way, way below that. But, um, you know, still, it, it's Fred Glass's job and uh, Indiana University Athletics' job to uh, do what's best for the Indiana University football program and the athletic department. And I feel like they have done that uh, here with this edition of Charleston Southern I think they're very proactive in, uh, it seems, in reaching out to Ford International, letting them know, hey, you know, we we understand, um, you know, that you guys are in a tough spot. And, uh, you know, being proactive about getting that game canceled early enough to get one of the few options out there that was appetizing uh, for Indiana's football program to get that team scheduled, and that's Charleston Southern. Uh, yes, an FCS team, and, and I understand that that's not, um, you know, it's not a sexy matchup at all. Uh, and there there were some calls on on social media and and on some of the some of the different sites around that uh, discuss these things that you know Indiana should reach out to Georgia Tech and uh, give the Yellow Jackets a a shot at, um, you know, playing maybe a home-and-home home this year in Bloomington plus another year in Atlanta. Uh, as interesting as that may have been, that that's not the right move. That's not a smart move 
for Indiana's football program with where it is right now. Uh, there's no reason to make the schedule harder than it needs to be. And Charleston Southern was a team that, uh, number one, Indiana's allowed to play an FCS school uh, because and have it count towards the bowl game because they only have four conference home games. And then Charleston Southern is allowed to play that game uh, because they had a game affected by Hurricane Irma as well. So it, it fell into place. It was an SCS team that uh, was identified pretty early in the process as one that, that could could be a matchup for Indiana. Uh, we'll do a lot of work on, on them leading up to that game, but just a quick snapshot of them. Uh, it's an SCS team that in 2016 did make the SCS playoffs, uh, which is, you know, you don't have to be great to be that, but uh, you do have to be solid. And on the, the Snagrin ratings, which is a flawed system, but it does a decent job of kind of contextualizing FCS opponents uh, and FBS opponents in, in kind of the same list. Um, and Charleston Southern's a team that fell uh, right below Arizona, so one spot below Arizona last year. This year, uh, they played Mississippi State, and it did not go well, to say the least. Uh, they lost 49 nothing. It could have been a lot worse. They had 33 yards total for the game. Um, and I, I think they picked up like two first downs. So, you know, who knows what to make of that. They are clearly much worse than Mississippi State. That's all we know for sure from that. And that's the only sample size we have for their team this year. In short, it's a game Indiana should win. It's a game that helps them get another victory towards bull eligibility. And, you know, it falls in place to where, in theory, you should be able to get a lot of your depth players some run in that game after you take care of business in the first half. Uh, And it gives you a nice little, as you said, a nice respite between Michigan and Penn State. Uh, Penn State and Michigan, I should say. Um, So everything about it makes sense. It's an unfortunate situation that you lose your bye week uh, where it was really in a good spot uh, there October 7th. It was really in a perfect spot. And you lose that, and now you get it much earlier than you would like. Uh, Particularly, this was a chance for Indiana to build a lot of momentum uh, heading back into the Big Ten with with games against Florida International and Georgia Southern at home uh, to really build some positive momentum and uh, this team has a lot of things to, to work on before taking on Penn State. And, and you'd like to have more than just one game to do that. You've got to adjust. You've got to, and Tom Allen talked about it, um, you have to be able to overcome adversity. And this is a little bit of football adversity that Indiana's team is going to have to adjust to and, uh, and, and be able to take this extra preparation time uh, and apply it. Make sure you're ready for Georgia Southern. Um, make sure that you are ready, who also has some extra time to prepare for you. You know, Make sure you're ready for that option attack. And then uh, develop the offensive line a little bit more. Develop, uh, develop the quarterback competition. Who knows how that's going to play out in the next, uh, you know, the next eight or nine days of practice. I, who knows? So there's going to be a lot of questions heading into Georgia Southern. Um, but overall, I think a nice job done by 
BIU athletic staff and, and Fred Glass, which um, I, I think they need to be commended for how quickly they were able to act and for the, uh, the position they were able to, to put the football program in to get that six wins that you're looking for to continue building things uh, towards a better future. Yeah, and it's definitely when they started bringing up Georgia Tech, uh really made me angry. I, I know that there are fans out there who wanted to see a matchup, talk about playing in Murfreesboro at MTSU, and I, I, I hate to be rude, but the, the New Yorker in me is going to come out. Yeah, you're out of your mind. If you're going to play Georgia Tech on a neutral site, you're going to give up a home FCS game, regardless of how many people show up to that game. I expect probably a small crowd. Everybody has been, yeah. if you're a season ticket holder, you've been planning October 7th, maybe you planned that your, your vacations that week. And I don't blame you. It's inconvenient for a lot of people um, like that, but you cannot play a triple option team that's really good like Georgia Tech and, and give up a home game for it. I, you know, I'd rather get six wins, go to a bowl game and play whoever you play. Yep. Uh, and, yep. you know, do it that way. This program is not where it's not where it is to to play those types of games. You need six wins and to continue building those those six wins. Get to a bowl game. You get those fifteen practices, which builds your depth. Which IU has had. We've seen IU's issues with the depth um, uh, on on both of the lines. So you know, at, at all costs, get to that bowl game. And I. I normally hammer on Fred Glass's scheduling abilities and we'll hammer on it later, but kudos to Fred Glass. He did the right thing in canceling this game uh, and bringing in Charleston Southern. Charleston Southern also gets a win. They get, you know, a half a million dollar payday plus 150 some odd thousand dollars for travel expenses. So they're happy uh, with that windfall of cash. And it, it's a, it's a game, like you said, TJ, where a lot of these reserves could get in and and start start playing, start developing, uh, things like that. Also, you have Brandon Knight, who's been on the shelf since the beginning of the season. You give him an early – this is where the, the early bye week helps. You give him a week of rest uh, to get ready. You could uh, yeah. rest him for a couple of days to where that foot feels 100% and then – start bringing them back or, or just work on conditioning and, and, and things like that. So uh, that's where it hurt, helps the early bye week. Uh, it, we'll see. They're going to have to play ten, 10 games in a row now, and that's extremely difficult given who they're playing. And, and if you added Georgia Tech to that schedule, it's it's what the heck are you doing? Um, so – that's my take. That's our take on it. Uh, we'll preview Charleston Southern. We'll get ready. Hopefully, some of their games that are on ESPN three or four or five or wherever on the internet, uh, we can get them. If if somebody does know where we can watch Charleston Southern games, please, please shoot us a message so we could uh, get uh, working on on the Bucks. Anyway, TJ, let's talk about the win at Virginia. These first two games, which has really been a whirlwind with that opening night mm-hmm. Thursday loss to, uh, to Ohio State, then going to Virginia where the offense didn't start clicking until basically halfway through that second quarter. We saw Richard Lego start the game. He went three for 10 for 24 yards and a pick. 
he I thought he was better than people thought he was. I went back and watched the first half. A lot of the balls, you know, the, the receivers were well covered, but a lot of those balls that drops hit Luke Timmy. Those are catches that Luke Timmy normally makes. Uh, the interception yeah. was just – he just missed through that. Uh, under Just underthrew it a little, short-armed it a little bit. It wasn't the worst pick in the world. The guy made a great play as well on it. Um, yeah. But I thought Peyton Ramsey played, played unbelievably well for – for a redshirt freshman. And going forward, Tom Allen has said that Richard Lego is his starter. They're both going to play. I, that, that, that wasn't a mystery going into the season, I don't think. They're both going to play. I thought, you know, watching the TV broadcast, you saw that, that Lego had his helmet on after the first drive. And then once Ramsey led them to two touchdowns, he knew his day was pretty much over. Uh, and he was a great teammate during it all. So I think his leash is longer than people think. But the reason he didn't go back in is because Ramsey had that offense clicking and going. And we'll see what they do against Georgia Southern, a team where they run, they're they not really good, but it's a team that runs that triple option, eats up clock, and limits possession. Uh, so we'll see if they if, – if Lego struggles early, if they pull, put Ramsey in, in for, for a couple drives or just let him play out the rest of the game. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? this quarterback, I don't want to call it a controversy, but this quarterback situation. Uh, I mean, <laughs> very interesting is thought for me on it. Uh, and I, I really don't think that the coaches anticipated uh, having Lego struggle as he did. And I agree with you. He wasn't awful. Um, but I think it was the right call to put in Ramsey and, uh, you know, provide someone yeah, a spark. To... I think that's what they were looking for. I don't yeah, think they were expecting – yeah, they had to do something. And I, I don't think they were expecting uh, Peyton Ramsey to, you know, rattle off three straight scoring drives and do so, you know, with his arm, which – you know, that first touchdown pass he threw, that was mostly semi cobs just going into, you know, Superman mode and bouncing off the tackle and uh, good blocking downfield as well. Um, but still, credit there for Ramsey. Uh, it was a nice drive. And then his run, uh, again, good blocking downfield. Uh, Virginia seemingly had no clue that Ramsey was even capable of running. Uh, to me, that's what it looked like anyway. And uh, they looked pretty surprised that he took off and nobody reacted to it until he was 15 yards down the field. Um, but, again, it was a good decision. It was a good play call, and it was well executed, another good drive. And then, uh, you know, getting into position to give Griffin Oaks a chance to hit that field goal. So I don't think that the coaches expected that to happen, but it did. And then at that point, it would have been really foolish to go back to Lego with as well as Ramsey was, was going as you start the second half. Uh, the offense, you know, it, it was not terrific in the second half, but uh, it wasn't bad either. So, uh, and he, he had a very nice pass to Donovan Hale. Um, and Indiana's running game, I thought, uh, looks the best it has all season, which is, you know, it's a small sample size, but the bar for that was low. 
but it did look the best it had all season there late in that game with Morgan Ellison in the game and, and Ramsey at quarterback. So what you're left with moving forward is you've got Richard Lago, who, you know, looked incredible for the first half of the Ohio State game, and then he was under pressure for the entirety of the second half, so it's hard to take anything away from him there, but I thought he played very well overall against Ohio State. And then, you know, he had a a rough start against Virginia, but not bad enough to to say, well, it's definitely Ramsey moving forward. So I think you're going to have a very interesting uh, session of practices here a nice stretch of practice to, to really evaluate things. And then as long as Richard Lego is able to function with knowing he's not going to take every snap and knowing that if the offense or if himself is a little slow or a little, you know, struggling somewhat, uh, that Ramsey's going to go in there. If Lego can do that without looking over his shoulder and forcing things, because uh, that, that's my concern, is that Lego uh, reverts to what we saw some of last year, which is trying to do too much and forcing the action to, to prove himself. Uh, if he reverts to that and starts making those mistakes again, that's, that's bad for the team. Uh, but if he's able to just function within the offense, continue to make good decisions, uh, and then Ramsey can work in as a change of pace, I think that's ideal. That's the best-case scenario for the offense. Uh, and and I have no doubt that Lego can be a great – but I just I hope that subconsciously he doesn't force things and, and try to, to prove himself as the number one guy. Uh, that would yeah. be my concern. Yeah, the thing that I felt good about um... – on Saturday, was his throw wasn't a bad decision. It was just a bad no. throw. Uh, and that's yeah. something you could work on as well. It, he had Timian one-on-one on the wheel route where Timian, if he walks that ball over the defender, that's that's going for a big play. Uh, I don't know if the safety was coming over to blow it up, but uh, if he catches that, that's going for at least 20 yards or more. Um, so it wasn't like that. I, I think going in, they know both of them are going to play in the game. It's not like last year where you had no idea when Diamant was going to play and, and think yeah. the, the game plan going in is we're going to play two quarterbacks. You saw it against Ohio State. When, when Lego was playing really, really well, they took him out and put Ramsey in, I believe it was like third or fourth drive of the game. Uh, you had a 7 nothing lead and you had to pull your starting quarterback. So I, I think it's, it's not going to blindside him coming out of the game. Um, so it, it, it's, again, they played the hot hand. I thought they played it perfectly. Uh, they kept it with the hot yeah. hand, which I, I think gives us all a, a sigh of relief on, on what to do. How many times have we seen the coach just, you know, play two quarterbacks and then up, we got to go back to the other guy to give him reps. But they took out the hot hand yeah. and they could continue to struggle. So I think they, they know going forward what the plan is. Rich is going to start. At some point, Peyton's going to come in. If Peyton's dealing, if Rich is dealing, you know, they're, they're going to stay with the hot hand because they need these wins. And, and uh, we, we've seen them. The, the one thing that Peyton Ramsey does that Richard Lego doesn't uh, do 
is run the ball. Even though Rich had some great had some good runs, he had two two first down runs there. You know, escaping up the pocket, uh, and he he's more mobile than people give him credit for. But Peyton Ramsey, man, he's just got another gear uh, and just better vision running the ball than, than Rich. And it's not a knock. Some guys can't run. Some guys can. And Rich has, yeah. has the better arm. We've seen it. You know, he threw for 400 some odd yards against Ohio State. And Peyton Ramsey, while he throws a good ball and he could throw it short, and completed 11, uh, his first 11 <laughs> passes, he can't sling it around um, like Lego does and throw that deep ball uh, as good as Lego does. So they each yeah. bring something a little bit different to the table. They're both going to play. So I, I think it's, it's, it's not a controversy. It's a two-quarterback system, and usually sometimes it doesn't work, but it'll be interesting to see what, uh, what it brings to the table. Uh, TJ, let's move on. Yeah. To the future I did want to. I did want to mention. I wanted to mention the, the defensive performance from that Virginia game real quick. Um, yeah, you know, in re-watching some of it, I thought that they were really, really terrific. Uh, the tackling <laughs> that they had was, in my opinion, I won't say it was the best, but it was up there with the best tackling performances that I've seen an Indiana defense have in quite some time. I thought a number of players really stood out. Uh, Chris Covington, I thought, played a wonderful game. I know Tom Allen agrees with that. Uh, he was named the Defensive Player of the Week for the Hoosiers. I thought he was really deployed well um, with the scheme and the play calling, and I thought he executed very well and had himself a really nice game. Uh, Indiana's got a wonderful linebacking duo. And then um, yeah, I, I think that the – in all fairness – that game they had, was – They had two takeaways, you know, and they got – They had two takeaways. That were yeah. taken away by yeah. the refs. Yeah, it was, um, uh, you know, the the passer, the uh, roughing the passer for Marcelino Ball. I know Tom Just Allen be was called. critical of Ball. Um, I, I get it. it uh, you know, on TV, um, there was some play acting involved there, which, you know, you got to do what you got to do if you're a banker there. I, I get it. But uh, – and Ball can't allow that to, to – he can't put the rest in a position to be able to call that. And then the targeting call, uh, yeah, just whatever. I mean, I, I think anybody that watched that play knows Greg Gooch was playing defense, and there's not really anything else that you would ask him to do differently next time. Um, no, I mean, maybe two-hand touch the really, quarterback and ask for the ball. Yeah. I, yeah. Excuse I think me, Mr. Banker, but to, can you give me the ball? Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what else you could do, but I, I, I just wanted to to make sure we mentioned, um, you know, the defense after a frustrating for them second half against Ohio State uh, with a couple born assignments and just, you know, I know some body language that Tom Allen wasn't wasn't real keen on. Um, they bounced back and had a really good effort uh, against Virginia and um, should not have given up even 17 points if, if things would have gone uh, the, the way that they should have. So yep. really good job by the defense. And they, they did, uh, especially in the first half, when you know Indiana's offense was playing in a way that they very easily could have fallen behind. And then you, you're dealing with the you know, kind of pressure that you've, you're staring 0-2 in the face on the road of an ACC opponent that could have given them some confidence if they build a lead on you. 
but the defense made sure that didn't happen, and then in the second half they helped slam the door shut uh, for the Hoosiers. So I, I really good job by by all involved there, and hopefully that's the the start of a really good season for them. Yeah, and I shout out to the special teams was awesome. Uh, with oh, Hayden yeah. Whitehead, Hayden Whitehead pinned Virginia deep all the time. Jay Sean Harris outside of that that one punt return was outstanding. Uh, kick return good was, was good. Man. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, kick return was good. Kick coverage was good. Griffin Oaks was great. Like that was the best IU's played on special teams in forever, and that's great to see. So TJ, let's get down to schedules. Uh, Big Ten mm-hmm. came out with their 2020 and 2021 schedules. Uh, we'll start with 2020. This is why Indiana needs to schedule non-conference games they can win. They open up the season on September 5th, 2020, in Madison, Wisconsin. That's a tough game. Then they play Western Kentucky and Ball State at home. I can live with that. Then you travel to Connecticut. Indiana all-time is 0-2 against Connecticut. And anytime you go uh, on the road, now Connecticut might not be very good right now, but Randy Etzel is back at UConn. And he had that program running, uh, you know, five or six years ago. So after UConn, they get Maryland at home, go to Rutgers, not a bad stretch. Then comes Michigan State and Penn State at home. You travel to Columbus to face Ohio State. You get Illinois as your second crossover at home. And then you have to go to Michigan before ending with Purdue at home. There's just you cannot play a top another top tier opponent. You can't. Wisconsin's a potential top twenty five team in twenty twenty. Uh, Michigan State could be up there. Penn State could be up there. Ohio State is always up there. Michigan is usually always up there. You just, you can't. You have to find programs who are just bad. Just you find bad programs. It's a year where you play. Four, yeah, it's a year that you play four. No, five, sorry, five conference home games, so you can't play an FCS team. I like the Ball State game. I like the Western Kentucky yep. game. It gives, uh, you know, yep. they're, they're within the, the radius of uh, of six hours that Tom Allen wants to be in. There, there is a history between the two schools, uh, so those are two games. Let's move on to 2021, where the schedule, I think, is absolutely brutal. Once again, IU will be opening Big Ten play season opener on the road, this time in Iowa City. Uh, that's likely a night game, uh, and Iowa City at night is – you just can't win there. I, 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 don't, I have not seen Iowa lose a night game in, in a long time. You play Idaho, who I believe moved back down to the FCS, and then you play Cincinnati uh, as well, and then you go to Western Kentucky. While I like playing Western Kentucky, those games should not be played on the road. You're not recruiting Western Kentucky that much. Uh, there's just no, no reason to go to Western Kentucky. Only bad things can happen down there. If you win, big deal, you're supposed to win. If you lose, it's like Bowling Green and everybody talks about it. Uh, and then you go at Maryland, Michigan and Rutgers at home, at Penn State, Ohio State at home, at Michigan State, Minnesota and at Purdue. That's a rough schedule. Minnesota, you expect PJ Fleck uh, to have that that program going. Whether or not he'll still be there is anybody's guess. I would think so. Yeah. Um, 
that that program's a sleeping giant uh, as well. And then just now you're backloaded on that schedule. You're going to have to win these early games. You could, if if you don't beat Cincinnati, Western Kentucky, you're looking at road trip to Maryland going at, at one and three, and then you have Michigan. You're looking at a one and five start uh, potentially. Rutgers coming in, and then you finish with Penn State, at Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan State, and Minnesota before going to Purdue. If I, I know it's it's so far down the road uh, in 2021, but this schedule has me really worried. I don't know where IU is going to be as a program. Hopefully, Tom Allen is still here. If IU history goes the way that IU history has gone. He will not be here, uh, but we'll see. That, this this schedule screams two and ten to me, and I I hate it. it. Let's go play instead of playing at Western Kentucky, play a MAC team at home instead of playing Cincinnati. Cincinnati is always tough, so let let's go play somebody uh, easier than that. So TJ, that's my take on the schedule, and that's my rant. Uh, what are your quick thoughts? Well, I don't disagree, and I would add, you know, you said there's no reason to play at Western Kentucky and go there. I I think you can leave off the Western part. There's no reason to go to Kentucky, period, football or otherwise. Uh, I I would play UK. If we ever got the UK series back, I I would deal with going to Kentucky. Nah. I don't know. I don't want anything to do with the state, but – Pettiness aside, I do agree with you that there there's no reason for a road game there. Um, I don't. I I think that you look for me. Um, Indiana should be scheduling uh, as a Kansas State or a Wisconsin did uh, when they were building their program to what it is today. Uh, yeah, you are scheduling a what's softer than cupcakes. Yes. Yeah. If there's something softer and easier than cupcakes, give me those. Yeah. That was a good line from him. And it's absolutely true. Um, There's no brownie points or bonus points or anything for scheduling a difficult non-conference schedule for Indiana. For Alabama and Clemson, that matters. It matters. For Indiana, it doesn't. It does not matter. It's about how many wins did you get in the non-conference schedule? Three of them, because if you did, it means you only have to go three and six in the Big Ten to get to a bowl game. And as you continue to get the bowl games, your recruiting increases. And as you're recruiting and your, your visibility of the program increases, your program gets better. And your fan, your, your fan interest gets higher. And, and all of a sudden, hey, look at that. Indiana goes to a bowl game every year. Wow, how about that? And then you turn that six wins every year into seven and eight. And then it, once, you know, once in a magical decade or whatever, uh, a, a season where the stars just align correctly, the schedule, the returning players, the bounce of the ball, those things just align, and all of a sudden you've won 10 or 11 games and, and you're in New Year's Six Bowl. I mean, that, that's the kind of thing. Yeah, that's, that's dreaming big. It's pie in the sky. But it starts with your schedule and scheduling to get yourself up to a perennial bowl team 
And the way to do that is winning three non-conference games. And the way to make sure you do that or to put yourself in the best position to do that is with your non-conference schedule uh, and not playing games against teams that are, you know, toss-up games essentially. It doesn't mean you'll you'll automatically go out and beat teams like FIU. It doesn't mean that. Or Virginia. It doesn't mean you'll beat teams like that automatically. But you want to give yourself the best chance possible to get that done. And for the most part, I feel like Indiana does that, but there are some games that uh, just don't make a whole lot of sense. And this Georgia Southern game is one of those, but it seems as if Tyson Summers doesn't really have things clicking uh, up to their fans' expectations. So I think that that's a game that Indiana dodges a bit of a bullet. If they take care of business, they should be able to beat, uh, beat Georgia Southern pretty easily. Uh, but that's that's a game that just doesn't make a lot of sense against a, a triple option team. Uh, it's not near as bad as scheduling Navy, um, but again, it, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. So I do agree with you. There's some head scratchers, um, and the Big Ten schedule is going to be tough regardless when you're in the East. So and you know that as a reality going in. So you've got to schedule accordingly. Yeah, and, and any year you can schedule an FCS team. They need to be on the schedule. Uh, it, one, it's almost guaranteed to win. Yes, I don't want to see James Madison. Madison. Right. You a want a team Madison. that you can beat. Yeah. Yep. And, and it's great for the FCS because they need, they need that money um, to survive. And that was one of the big drawbacks of the Big Ten not playing FCS teams is that these FCS yeah. programs survive on those payouts. So anyway, that does it for this week's Hoosier Auto Podcast. Yep. A reminder, the FIU game was canceled. There's no game on Saturday, uh, so it's not going to be on TV. Don't travel to Bloomington. Uh, sit back, relax, <laughs> enjoy another Saturday of football. That's two and three weeks uh, for us, and then you have ten straight weeks of IU football. Yep. Uh, so we're very excited. Come back to HoosierAuto.com. Uh, Follow us on Twitter at Hoosier underscore huddle. Subscribe on iTunes as well. TJ, as always, thanks for jumping on with us. We'll be back next week previewing Georgia Southern uh, on Wednesday. Yep. Have a good week, everybody. Thanks for listening. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. 
I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.